Hello and welcome to another episode of the Menswear Style Podcast. I'm your host, Pete Brooker. And on this episode, I'm going to talk to Nick Hussey, founder and designer of Fram Jacket. I'm going to peel a little info off the Fram Jacket website just to give you some background on Nick. The website, by the way, you can find framjacket.com. That's F-R-A-H-M jacket.com. Fram is Jason Tripp and Nick Hussey. We do everything except cut and sew the jackets. We feel the jackets from the big brands don't do what they're supposed to do. If they're technical, they look awful, but if they're stylish, they don't work properly or last long enough. There is little innovation and not enough value. We want to design jackets and build a company we're proud of. Okay, so this is a very interesting chat. Nick is a very open... He is very open about the ins and outs of the business. He also talks about how he managed to bounce back from some of the scary low points in his life. But Nick also gives a fascinating insight on how to be a designer, even if you're not a pattern cutter or a seamstress. So hopefully there's quite a few takeaways for everyone. Uh, All that to come. So make sure you're checking out the website, menswearstyle.co.uk and the social at menswearstyle. All the latest fashion news and Nick Hogan has done an awesome article on the best men's fragrances to buy in 2020. Uh, Can you guess any that are on the list? Any uh, brute? (laughs) Sorry, that's just mine. So check out that article and many more on the website. And oh, if you want to tell us about your brand and your journey, you can email the show at info at menswearstyle.co.uk. Okay, yeah. Let's get to it. This is a good one. I hope you enjoy it. Here is Nick Hussey, founder and designer of Fram Jacket. Well, it's my great pleasure to introduce founder and designer of Fram Jacket, Nick Hussey. How are you doing today, Nick? Hello, chap. I'm uh, very well. I'm trying to stay cool with a fan sticking right in my face. Just tell us a little bit about who you are, where you are. So I... I'm a self-taught apparel designer. I like to make apparel and specifically jackets with my second company um, where I combine hidden performance, so it's not obvious, um, with classic style. And I've tweaked classic styles. These are men's jackets only. My previous company was called Volpine, and I made commuter cycling clothing, which was very innovative and different. That was for men and women, a full range of clothing. And I learned from that experience, I basically went bust in 2017 because we were growing very fast and spending large amounts of money on stock and that stock didn't turn up. I learned that growing and buying lots of stock is dangerous. I don't want that to happen again. I had a nervous breakdown. And so when I came back to do it again with Fram, I took all those lessons and I said, okay, I'm going to make a really small company that specializes the thing I was always best at, that got the best reviews, that ended up in the design museum, et cetera. And I will also give money to Mind, the mental health charity, and talk about mental health and just have a sort of kinder men's sort of bloke brand. And that's kind of it. And in terms of the office, I am literally one man in one tiny office with the remains of my stock because we have a pre-order model. So most of our stock is sold in advance. And I just sit here with my computer and hopefully make pretty things. Tell us a little bit why jackets and how you got into designing jackets primarily. So I got into, so my sort of history is I grew up uh, as a racing cyclist and I went to uni and did sports science, which seems completely unrelated, but I specialize in physiology and biomechanics and ergonomics. I'm fascinated by the way, my dissertation was always about clothing, it was always about 
wearing stuff and about how it enables people and at that time it was athletes but I realized that over time that developed I, I went and ran clubs and bars restaurants all kinds just sort of meandered around ended up in the film world ended up running film companies and picked up a background in marketing and, and in design and stuff like that and all this stuff seems not to gel until it got to 2010 I was running a film company stressed out of my mind and I just thought I always wanted to have do my own thing i've got this idea and i'd love to design clothes christ i have absolutely no experience in it i just want to do it i'm going to find out if i'm capable and so i left my job in 2000 and 2009 started building this company volpine beginning of 2010 and and started making sort of high performance classically styled tailored sort of cycling clothing and it was pretty successful and grew i've always needed help in the production side so so I don't, so I'm really upfront about this. I have no education in design, just an enormous amount of uh, an influx of ideas and influences and cultures that from where I've traveled the world and done various jobs. And I've tried to combine those and a huge love of clothing. I've, I used to, when I could afford it, buy Savile Row and just love clothes ever since I was in clubbing. And I've combined all these interests into something it turns out I'm reasonably good at, which I can't quite believe. Hmm. Um, it's it's pretty bizarre, and I feel sort of guilty in many ways because other people have spent their careers doing this. Designing is like the kind of eye. I think there's an equal amount of talent that goes into knowing what looks good in a garment as to what makes a garment as well as people can be pattern cutters and tailors, but they don't always have the eye for what looks good or how to, you know, how to actually design a suit or jacket as it were. I have a theory, Peter, that because I had no background in it, I had no idea of what pe- would scare people. Or, you know, I, I, I didn't do a degree where people said, this is how you do things. I didn't work as an apprentice or build my way through a, uh, another label where people said, Nick, this is how we've always done it. This is the way you'll do it. I just arrived just knowing what I liked and just tried to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and I really helped. I found that a while back when I was in a band writing songs for the band and, you know, I played the piano at the time and I was just actually getting a bit exhausted with writing songs on the piano and my bandmate who's the guitar player goes right you can just fiddle about on the guitar right i go yeah i can just do bits and bobs on the guitar and i soon learned how to write songs better on the guitar because i didn't really know the rules of the guitar whereas i knew the rules of the piano kind of inside and out really the scales octaves you know kind of inversions etc but when you look at when you have something that's a bit foreign to you you're perhaps just going by sound and vision than you are by going through theory and i'm going to try and spin that back round to sartorial and designing but it's a i think the process might be a little bit like that would you say you've got an open page and i think the scariest part of it is is daring to to put yourself onto that page and to be judged i guess is i can remember i wasn't scared about having to learn all this stuff and a lot of setting up a business is just learning how to run a business and do the finance and operations but i i just my I, I'm, I'm sort of this is part of what I talk about is always talk about the sort of emotional side of what I do hopefully in an accessible and not too sort of weepy way but I always talk about I had this desperate fear of regret of not knowing if I was ever capable of doing this thing and so I just gave it a go and my wife could see that I was just you know 
bashing it. I was never going to stay in this sort of normal inverted commas job because I, I, I was just um, never going to be satisfied until I tried. And I think that's the case with any sort of creativity or anything that you really seek, wish you could do is most of us don't do the things we wish you could do. And it's, hmm. it's, I have to remind myself now I've been doing it for 10 years that I chose the one thing in the world that I really wanted to do apart from winning the Tour de France, which I did. <laughs> never too late. Never too late. <laughs> uh, it's very too late. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, it, it's fun and it's fascinating. And I see myself, you know, on this podcast with guys from universal works and sons and Johnson Velgin, you know, people I really look up to. I'm like, what massive imposter syndrome. So you have the idea for from, and by the way, where does the name come from? So from, uh, it's a couple of things. So from Niels from is my favorite musician and from is, uh, middle is, is back in the middle ages. It was, German for um, uh, noble or man of good character. And I particularly wanted a word that didn't mean anything to most people that I could sort of create a brand around. But I also wanted something that had a meaning which was essentially a nicer, nice is a terrible word, but a kind of more thoughtful men's brand because I something that didn't satisfy me was the product in terms of how it combined performance and style, but also in terms of a, a brand that could be I talk about real life. I, I am constantly, I'm obsessed by real life. And rather than creating a sort of beautiful other world, I want to create a beautiful real world, if you see what I mean. Mm. Because I think the real world is more beautiful and more interesting and also tougher than than something that's invented. And that's kind of my, that's why the, the tag tough, beautiful is there because life is tough, but it's also beautiful. My garments are tough, but they're also beautiful. Nice. And have we managed to get a jacket to Neil's from yet? I, I'm too embarrassed. <laughs> and also, I'd imagine that he'd be embarrassed to wear a garment that looks like he's just got his name smacked all over it. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a weird person in lots of ways. One of them is I'm very extrovert and also extremely shy. So um, It's it, not you, smacked all over the place. I'd actually say the, the logos are really subtle. It's not something that's completely <laughs> splayed on all over the, the torso or the arms, you know. No, you're right. In terms of the brand, I wanted for the garments to have something that the outside was was quiet, that didn't shout and didn't say, look at me, I'm a great brand. The proof was in the pudding. You know, when you actually wore it and you wore it for years, it would prove itself. Mm. Uh, and then the inside sort of just jump. Sorry, I'm jumping ahead. But I think that, you know, I'm influenced by people at Oswald Boateng um, and other several tailors who use splashes of colour. So I like splashes of colour on the inside of garments um, quite often, nice. but quite subdued on the outside most of the time. Did you go to Oswald to get your Savile Row suits? I'm curious. I didn't. I got one from Richard James. Nice. And then, oh, I've just forgotten his name, Brighton Taylor, who you did right at the beginning of this podcast. Uh, Gresham Blake? Yes. Mm. Uh, most of the time I got went to Gresham Blake, who's, of course, based in Brighton and much more affordable. And also... Uh, a bit madder and mm. i quite so my wedding suit was um pink and gray pinstripe with a yellow lining yeah uh, which uh now does not fit me even remotely <laughs> um, but yeah a bunch of stuff like that and i just loved the process but what i disliked about that was seeing that these garments were very restrictive uh, and i just like things that i can throw on that i can do all kinds of stuff in yeah. and that's how i 
product design really well i guess that kind of takes me back to from jacket i mean there's some little one there's some unusual colors i think within the range i don't think that's unfair to say like the papaya orange which yeah. i think really stands out and the the red in the, the racing jacket there i don't know if these are typical colors within this kind of sector but I'd say that these are quite ambitious colours. Yeah, and I think that so the garments and the designs are, are for me. So I try to go for a sort of I, I, I design for myself. I am a forty-seven-year-old bloke who thinks he's thirty, who wants to wear really classic, hard-wearing garments that last a long time, that are totally reliable, that do a great job, um, and I want to wear garments that aren't aren't fashion items that change year by year. I want something that's a rock solid classic. And then within that, what happened was when I launched only two years ago, I launched with a black utility field jacket. And then when things started going well, I extended to navy. And now we have yellow, khaki, green, navy, black, etc. And I try and bring in pop colours because my inclination is actually to always go for bright colours mixed I mix up colors. I don't sort of wear wacky stuff, but I will, you know, sort of always have a statement piece uh, in what I wear. And I just thought, you know what? I think people would like color. And I, I asked my customers, I know almost all my customers, almost all my customers talk to me on live chat on the website before they buy something. Mm. So I say, what would you like? And people started saying, I'd like something brighter. And so I just thought I'll give it a go. So yes, we have, I tend to use the brighter colors for marketing because they attract attention. So like the orange Ventile or the racing red Harrington. The racing red Harrington comes from um, uh, James Dean. Oh, yeah. uh, if you Google his, uh, his name, you'll see him wearing a red Harrington. And I thought that looks amazing with blue jeans and a white t-shirt. And because the, the, that, Harrington Racer is based on a racing sort of motorcycle type, uh, sort of motorhead style. I just thought, I've got to do it red. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it's been our best selling uh, color this year. You're right. The website has got a lot of color, which I, I don't know. When you go to a lot of websites, it some of it does look a little bit formulaic. Um, I guess because a lot of people are using the same f- platforms, especially startup companies i guess they're using kind of all they're using the tried and tested models i guess you know the the flatsome themes that h&m and primark use etc and it's and once it starts to get a little bit cookie cutter they all start to homogenize but one good way to distinguish it i think is what you've done which is inject a lot of color into your garments and it and it really does bounce off the website thank you so my just on on that so i luckily or unlucky i've found that i'm pretty good at marketing so i do consulting and that and and so something i'm obsessed by is being different and being as real and as genuinely you know emotionally connecting to somebody as possible and and i know who the big boys are i know who the big brands are and i know how i can be i hope different and that's why it's so important that i attach a mental health theme and being a bit different to to what i do but um but also what's so unusual i guess is that I only make a hundred of every style a year and I don't want to take over the world. I'm never going to, and I, I never want to try. And so I can always just do my thing. And I guess by reducing the inventory that will heighten the exclusivity and perhaps create, I don't know, 
a little bit more myth and excitement about the brand. A bit like trying to get a Rolex Submariner. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Apart from the enormous cost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no, it's what I want. What what I wanted to do is from his direct reaction to the horror of losing Volpine. And, and so that's why I give money to Mind. But that's also why I built a company. And I, what's interesting is, as I build from, it's essentially about jackets, but a lot of people tend to be entrepreneurs and sort of business owners or people who run businesses, and they're very interested in what I'm doing. And I'm very honest about that. And I say, look, I built from to be a small company where we sell most of what we can, you know, rather than going to big sales. So we don't do winter or summer sales. That is a much safer model. I've deliberately created a business that is cash safe because I never want what happened to me before to happen again. So I make sure that I'm selling my jackets in advance. I get my cash. And because of that sort of great uh, honor or, or, or favor that customers do in giving me their cash for up to a year in advance if a jacket sells particularly well um i give them 20 percent off so mm. essentially people buy the garment for 20 percent off uh, as a pre-order and if i have any left they have to buy it at full price mm. and it seems to be a model that's working is anyone else doing this model nick uh well, certainly other people are doing a pre-order model and that's becoming more prevalent um but i say like david hyatt hyatt jeans you know as an advocate of this but I don't think this particular model of limiting, well, I like uh, Supreme limit the number of garments they make and they sell out obviously incredibly quickly. Mm. And that was another inspiration for me. But it was actually a bike brand that sells wheels. I just did some consultancy for them and I just saw that they would sell pre-orders months and months in advance. And I thought, my God, that means I don't have to go and get loads of cash because mm. I, I used to go and see big investors in my previous company and they'd say, Nick, the problem with clothing companies is they're incredibly cash hungry. You buy a load of stock for your season and you hope to sell a good chunk of it. And then what you've got left, you have to sell a huge discount to get rid of it, to get your cash back. And then people wait for your sales. So then you get less cash. And and, and, they, and this was repeated in all these meetings I was having. They said, we don't like that model. And I thought, well, if they don't like that model, it's because it's a bad model. But the thing is, we kind of dug into that because that's the way it's normal. So I thought when I got the forced chance to redo my company and create a second company, I thought I've got to change that model because otherwise I'm going to end up in that cycle of discounting and looking for cash and all this stuff. And and, and it will sink me. Mm. So that's what I'm trying to avoid. Nick, talk to me a little bit about the blogs on your website. It feels like this is also another part of the journey of the brand. And uh, maybe you can fill us in about some of the articles that other people have written. It seems to be like a very honest kind of open heart feel with some of these entries. Uh, it's this thing about tough, beautiful is life is tough, but it is also beautiful. And and that is essentially about when I was having nervous breakdown. And I'm very frank about the fact that I was suicidal at one point that you, you look for the things that you can keep you going. And for me, what was tough was very clear, but the beautiful things were my children it specifically you know my, that was what i centered on i was obsessed about to get me through and now as as i recovered and th- very happy to say I, i'm fully recovered i would i now see the world in with different eyes i see beauty where i didn't before and so i want to talk honestly about that and other people to talk honestly about that and so i do 
my podcasts and I just talk to people and it's not hardcore stuff. It's not always heavy going. My first podcast was pretty heavy going because I'm talking extremely honest, honestly about, you know, my trials and tribulations and how I came out of that to create from. But most podcasts are just nice chats with nice people about interesting stuff. And sometimes we go into dark areas. Sometimes it's funny. But the thing for me is that these are just ordinary people with ex- extraordinary aspects that you may not have uncovered or, uh, normally. And it kind of <laughs> it's kind of attached to what Fram does, because I want classic jackets that from a distance don't look special. But when you look closer, you go, wow, wow, I really thought about that. And that's what gives me pleasure is to create something that um, isn't shot a song and dance that isn't facile or, or facade that has real depth to it underneath um, in everything I do. So I'm just trying to think of examples. I mean, I, I also come from a very heavy creative background. My mum was a professional photographer and um, my, uh, my background is in filmmaking. And so I also have a lot of creative stuff on the blog and um, I just want to keep people interested basically. Nice. And where can people find the podcast, Nick? Um, so if they search for Fram Jacket on SoundCloud or uh, on iTunes, and um, you've, I, I've been really tardy actually with podcasts. So I haven't done one uh, since I did Mark Herbert, who's the head of uh, Warp Films, um, at the end of last year. Producer of uh, This Is England, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I, I got to know him because he became a customer of Volpine. And I was, he invited me to the, there was a screening at the NFT of um, Dead Man's Shoes with a live orchestra doing the soundtrack. Nice. Oh, they're Invi- very cool, those ones. Yeah, yeah. It was one of my all-time favorite films, and it's based where I grew up. I grew up in Nottingham, I s- uh, or near Nottingham. I saw Casino Royale at the Royal Albert Hall with uh, David Arnold doing the orchestra. Well, he didn't do the orchestra, but the, he came on for the last bit, picked up the guitar, and just did the theme. <laughs> Wow. Ha- hammered the check and, and left you're a huge james bond fan i've heard james bond fan <laughs> i am i am indeed yeah no very much so so yeah i've got i've got a very niche geeky side to my life the well i didn't i oversaw um the uh title sequence for quantum of solace wow um, so uh oh god what are they called mk12 i think um who are a group of amazing animators in texas um got the job i came into the company relatively late so i didn't do all of it so i didn't get to meet mr bond uh daniel craig but it's quite funny because um so i was sort of sort of in the tail end of this enormous high budget sort of title sequence and then we were like really obviously hadn't seen the film we were allowed to and then i organized uh, like a west end i booked out a huge Odeon to show all my clients this film and everyone oh well done <laughs> for the uh, title sequence and then people walked out of the film and i was like oh okay oh wow <laughs> wow what a great thing to have on the cv M- uh, mk yeah. like michael k12 right as in sorry m yeah. for michael yep i think I think so. I've worked it's terrible. I've worked with so many directors, and it sort of just passes into the, you know, in into the fog now. But I think, oh God, I hope they're not listening because that'd be really embarrassing. But it was, it's fascinating. I mean, that's something I love doing is working with really talented people, and something that I, I mean, next I really want to work on is uh, is doing more films because my background's in it, and it's almost so intimidating for me because I I know what is 
possible that I haven't hardly made any films in the last 10 years, which is a really stupid thing. So I'm going to start trying to do that. Well, I'll be watching that space, definitely. Thank you. Well, Nick, uh, listen, it's been it's been really interesting talking to you, learning about your background, um, learning about the company. And I've, I also like when you go to the site and people, when you go to farmjacket.com, there's a little icon with your face saying, I'm here, I'm ready for a question. And mm. and before I started talking to you, I just thought, oh, okay, that's that's a nice touch for a bot. But then I actually know it's you now. <laughs> it's it's no, you, and I can I can envisage where you are in the people office. People don't believe it's me, and it really is me. I really do do literally everything. It's murderously hard, but it's incredibly effective because you can actually just live chat me and ask the guy who designed the thing and has overseen all the production. You know exactly the question you want to ask and get the exact answer. And that, I won't be able to do that forever. That would be impossible. Yeah. Of- so I was going to ask, how how do you envisage, I know that you don't want to become like this huge hmm. juggernaut and overtake the kind of fashion industry, but you must have half an idea to expand. And then how are you going to do that when you're really protective over everything that you've kind of nurtured from the ground up here? Yeah, it's 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 hard. And, and during the coronavirus um, problems, it's been the hardest because I've only been able to work a three-day week three whole working days for the entire company is unbelievably difficult. So I was really exhausted, but I'm taking on someone soon who will take on the stuff basically that releases me to do, you know, the the sort of design and creative stuff that I love and that I'm good at. But um, for for this year, we've gone from, so it was one garment, 2018, the utility field jacket. Then it was five garments last year. And now it will be 11 garments by the end of this, 12 garments by the end of this year. Mm. And then, Next year, I'm planning probably another four, and I'll slow down after that because essentially, for me to stay small, I just don't want to create enormous numbers of jackets. I will, and unusually, I create repeat styles. So each year, I make the same style. I might change a couple of colours, but that's why you pre-order them well in advance so you can get them. And so I'm I'm creating rock solid classics that you know exactly what you're getting that are very intensely reviewed by customers so you know you don't need to worry about oh i'm buying this particular style this year and it, let's just give it a punt mm. if you're going to spend 400 quid on a field jacket you want to know that you, it's been nailed and so you can read like 100 reviews and yeah you know and check it so so really just some re- a degree of range expansion and eventually i just you know for me to i just want to le- lead a reasonably nice life <laughs> in some <laughs> is I will need to make a few more jackets, but that's that's a way off yet. So, Nick, what jackets are you able to spill the beans on what styles we can expect out of the new four yeah, models? Okay, you can have an exclusive. Please. <laughs> yeah, which ones? Which styles? I don't know how exciting it is, but no, um, I last year I asked customers um, what they wanted. I have a very strong diagram with customers. Of course, I live chat with them, email, all kinds, and I just but I sent a survey and I said, look, guys, what do you want? And they said, a bomber jacket. Ah. And so that is definitely, well, we're in development, hopefully when we've nailed that now. Um, but it's weird I say we, it's kind of me, but um, I, I have some help, you know, to make sure that I'm nailing, you know, fabrics and, you know, the production side. But but the bomber should arrive next year. And that'd be reasonably innovative, sort of classic innovative. Because I, for me, I'm still a frustrated customer. I go on websites and I see things that I aren't quite right. And so, of course, again, I'm designing for myself and that's my policy. If I design for myself and I like it, hopefully other people will. Yeah. 
Nice. Well, I look forward to seeing that. Yeah, bomber jackets. And maybe a duster jacket. Hey, no time to die coming out. The duster jacket's going to be everywhere. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I, I surreptitiously got it back to Bond. That's how. Uh, that's my opus operandi. It's been gutted. It's been pushed back. Oh, it's a heartbreaker. It's a heartbreaker. There's there's rumours of it going on video of demand and following other models, but I mean, so we've got Tenet coming out. I believe in a couple of months that will do both, or they'll open it up exclusive. So I'm a Chris Nolan fanboy. Mm. And- uh, yeah, Interstellar is my favourite. So um, oh, Interstellar is yeah. such a good film. Yeah, I'm a bit weak. <laughs> Nick, Nick, I've I've taken up so much of your time, but thanks so much for jumping on. You're welcome. How about that? Just a really nice, grounded gentleman and a huge ball of talent. Make sure you're supporting the good guys and head over to farmjacket.co.uk and and treat yourself to a kick-ass jacket. And in the meantime, thanks for tuning in. If you like what you're hearing, leave a review. Maybe there's a brand or a person you think would make a good guest for the show. Put your suggestions in a comment on iTunes. We read them all. And until next time, 